in the Moorish times, this was one of the centers where they, they cultivated silkworms. So all these mountainsides were all filled with trees, mul mulberry trees and, and very sophisticated water channels. And so now it's, it's like a really poor man's agriculture. They do just growing beans. But with, with the, the, what we know today of planting food forests, about organic farming and tree technology that they're using also like in Africa and so on to reforest if we, we would be able to implement these techniques on, on the farm we would create a, a paradise as well for the bees as for, for us for men stick your neck out the weekly podcast of the giraffe heroes foundation This is the Giraffe Heroes podcast and today our studio is outdoor located in the Alpujara at the Refugio Solaya Los Poyos, 2000 meters above sea level, overlooking the mountains far back the ocean and beyond you might see Africa. My guest of course is Costco and Costco Louis de Cordier who is instrumental in creating a first European bee reserve, has developed a new old beehive. It looks like an old signpost you find in the mountains, marking the mountain tracks made of stone. Could you tell us, Costco, welcome that you are here. I have to first say, could you tell us about this idea a bit more? Yes, these beehives are inspired and uh, on, on the research that's done for sustainable building. So natural houses, also the, the architecture that's locally built up here. So stone houses, which have very thick walls. Um, we have like a very Mediterranean climate up here. So sometimes even in the winter can be very cold and the summer is very hot. But at night, because of the dry air, it cools very down at night. So it's like in the desert can be very, very cold at night as well. So and this thing is, is taken advantage of in, in the in the realization of these, these buildings. In a sense, these thick walls, they heat up during the day and at night they cool off. So the thickness is related to how far the thermomassa is, is able to, to take in the heat so that it doesn't penetrate all the way to the insides. And when the night comes, it cools off again. And this is what we actually apply, want to apply on the realization and the building of these, these hives. But then on the inside, you have the... the Hang on, I w would have to interrupt because uh, I'm more of an amateur. How does bee housing and a house for human beings compare so easily? Okay. How do you get that idea? So first I went into the, the natural bee nests. So bees for hundreds of million years, their natural habitat was, I have to say versatile, but mostly based on a hollow tree trunks. They also had rocks and they had also even open hives without any. But mostly, certainly, bees are very related to a very forest-type environment. That's what, what's... So 
the bees are related to to, to forests. Yeah, uh, and how does that compare with signpost or pyramid made of stone? Most of these forests were all cut down, so the environment became less and less forested. Same happened for humans. Like Spain was one forest several thousand years ago, and then they started taking down all the forest. That created a problem for the people as well. So they build it, started building stone houses. In the past, they also built it more, certainly in, in the northern of Europe, lots of wooden houses, and then they started building stone houses. Now, beekeepers, they, they use beehives, uh, very exploitative structures. But for our natural wild apiary, we wanted to build a hive, which is as the, the best conditions for bees to live in. So, so not trying to explode the bees by trying to take honey and things, but really make structures that make the bees as comfortable as possible. So coming as close as possible with their natural habitat. So what's the, the ideal size of the interior, the cavity? So because if you have a, a too big size, it, it puts lots of stress on the bees on the aspect of trying to heat it in the winter. This... Uh, space or in the summer trying to cool it down mm. also on the insulation aspect so when bees swarm out they always going to look for what they are genetically how to say known for, for all these millions of years that's why it's so difficult to put a bee in an artificial I'd say hive like a, a wooden box because bees are a little bit reluctant to, to enter these things But most of them do because there's no other way. There are no options to find something else because there are no trees anymore and no, and no natural little cavities which match their preferences. And that's exactly what we want to build. So, so we will build the, these, these stone type of hives with the natural cavity inside, the, an, an opening which matches the opening what they prefer. So an opening which is not too big, quite small, but not too small, so that they still can have their natural, create a natural air conditioning system with bees sitting at the entrance. And, and because when it's too big, it, it doesn't work. When it's too small, it doesn't work. Also, the direction of the opening is also very important. So because they, they don't prefer direction on the north side because that's cold wind blowing in. So they are very conscious about orientation as well. And then the insides must be also very I have to say absorptive so the inside of a tree is very moldy I have to say very powdery so certainly old ones which is gives us this kind of situation when when at certainly in, in the early mornings when the, the condense is coming and so that it can be absorbed so that there is no condense running down from the insides of the beehives because there's definitely a big air and, and certainly temperate difference between let's say in the morning five degrees and inside of the beehive 37 that this creates uh, uh, yeah. so the inside that would we, we would make use of these um, hemp bricks which is a kind of adobe brick reinforced with hemp uh, fibers what's which, adobe adobe is a combination between clay uh, straw mostly uh, dung animal dung and, and sand so this is the way how people built their houses for, for millennia e even up to to many 
pyramids in Egypt are made of adobe. And, and, they are, and then these bricks are dried, sun-dried. So they just press them, put them in a mold and let them dry in the sun. So there is no fire coming with it. or And it's very locally made, local material. And so we built a core of, of this adobe material to give a, a kind of extra insulation and give them this benefit of that it's like absorptive. And then we make an outer shell of heavy uh, stones. So the adobe is also very, it's, it's not resistant to, to rain. So we, we give the, an, an outer harder shell of, of natural stones. We might be stacked without any cement or mortar or, or, or with. It's, that's, that's an option. That's uh, just like a drywall. Just like a drywall, yes. And... The entrance will be more or less around one meter high, just to to prevent the bees no, no, that so no no animals like wild boar so can try to break it open. So the sockle itself, the first meter will be like solid stone, so to give the bees the protection against uh, pests and and other animals and even snakes. That, that's why also bees prefer high up in the, in the trees themselves as a protection against animals but this one meter thing because it's well made out of stone will be sufficient or at least for contemporary uh, because there are, there are no bears anymore in the area which which might try to break open mm. yeah. so that sounds fascinating how do I have to imagine the looks of such a alpujada New type of bee type? Yeah, we, is we, it a new type, or it's, it's does it exist already? It's it's based on very ancient types of hives that they built all over the Mediterranean basin, but mostly. Could you talk about that a bit more? Because uh, for me, it sounds like a fascinating idea. But of course, the question then is: Is it proven to work, or is it just a fancy idea? It's uh, at this moment we will just see, but seeing the architectural has the signs behind it is proved itself to work very well for humans. So we, I assume that it must work very well for bees as well. So, but that's of course what, why we're gonna do the experiment to see if it's it's it works on in the short term and, and definitely on the long term. Is there a reason why you assume then? That if it works for humans, it will work for bees. It's uh, it's 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 question? actually a little bit of retro engineering, uh, in the sense that like now many people lost the, the knowledge of how, what, what the natural hoof of a horse was. So they, they, we needed to do lots of research on on trying to find what the natural hoof of a horse looks because all the horses are domiciliated. And the same was for bees. So these beekeepers in the 80s, they start to think, well, we have hundreds of books on beekeeping, but not one book on the natural bee. And so they, st they start really doing research on, on natural bees. And there was a lot of mistakes as well, because they only went looking in, in one area. And so they were not able to match it to the, the wider aspect of these bee habitats. And so now with this very contemporary research on the natural bee, out of this research, I, I developed this this approach but of course very based on on the mediterranean climate can you give examples of 
hives located in stone structures? Yes, and in, in, in the north of Spain, you have these kind of stone structures which are looking very dome dome shaped, which are very similar than as the one that the shepherds use up there. And then up there, they placed the beehives in the winter to protect them mostly from bears, but also, of course, for for the for the temperature. Um, are you saying that these bees could survive in these hives up here at 2,000 meters? There are bees who survive in in Siberia. And so it's also related to to give the bees a little bit of time to become adapted to the situation. It's the same with uh, vegetables. You have like a specific tomato uh, seed, you bring it in an area. And after a couple of years, and, and certainly other segmented seeds, de decades, it becomes heirloom. So it, it adapts to the climate, adapts to the soil. And so it becomes like a, a, a bee adapted to... And so now we, we are bringing in bees, mostly shipped in from Belgium, queens, which are artificially inseminated, and, and they bring them up here in Spain, and, and they are weak, and then they die off. So the idea is to, to create a, a wild apiary, like a, a bee reserve, where the bees are becoming 100%, I have to say, adapted to the local environment. So possibly they will become smaller, because we also will let them make their own wax foundations because our, we make them industrial the size of the hexagons are too big so the bees become bigger but then again weaker in some sense also these hives that's what the long-term idea of, of the hives if, if they stand there and let's say they are abandoned after a while the cavity inside has the, the ideal proportions for a, a wild swarm to, to go inside. And a wild swarm actually always looks for a place where in the past there was already some beehive inside. They, they like the smell of wax and, and things like this. So some ancient I say, bee nests are, were used for, for centuries. And that's what I would love to, to see as well. Like, like maybe they are, they are left behind by a beehive because they died out. It, or they moved because it was too dry. That's also one, one major aspect is climate change. In, in the past, there was more or less a stable climate, but less had these extreme periods of drought or, 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 or other things. And so now we, we need to also make beehives, which are very helping the bees to deal with extreme situations like sun drops of, of temperatures or, or, or extremely hot summers so that they don't have to fight in their artificial wooden hives to keep the temperature at 37 degrees when the, the sun is beating on, on, on the outside and having like su surface temperature of 80 degrees, 100 degrees. It's, it's just a hell inside for them not to mention the reverse in, in the winter. So make some kind of extremely adapted habitats for them, which can weather the, yeah, the co contemporary situation. That sounds convincing as it sounds fascinating. So is it correct that you plan to put the first of these hives up here at Los Poyos? Yes, yes. I have already some normal hives, which I'm, I'm uh, at my house, which, in, which is in the Contrafesa, one hour and a half from here, which is uh, 
also very extreme climate, very dry in the, in the summer. Up here at Los Pois at 2000 meters, we have a very, how to say, hot summer. But temperatures in the winter can, can go really deep below zero uh, for long, long areas. So if these highs are going to work up here, then, then we will have some good proof that they will be able to, to function other locations as well, even in Northern Europe. So when can I come and look at the first of these uh, ancient innovative structures? Yeah, we, we had some delay because of the virus, but normally... Ah, yeah. uh, so human beings also should have a new hive, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. It's very similar. It's very similar. The, the bees, they have the varroa, and, and so now we have the corona. So, But normally, next spring, yes, we will be up and uh, build, building the first models. Actually, up here, what, what do the bees live on? I mean... What I can see here is that potentially there is a lot of vegetation, but there's also, you mentioned that in ancient times this was all forest here, since we also have an issue with trees. Do you think we could, or one could actually bring in some type of reforestation project here, at least on a, a, a pilot project scale? De definitely, definitely. Trees are extremely important for bees as well. M many people relate bees always with flowers, but most of the bees are living off trees. Yes. So, I mean, if I look at this specific plot here, it's amazing how much natural water still seeps through. So we can see on this plot of land, which is maybe five hectares, but partly hilly, partly like uh, beautiful soft slopes. And I can see there is a center type of uh, area which forms like the core of this area, which is completely green and trees and even some water. I mean, how do you look at this that will be good for the bees, I think, and what other things? Do you have any ideas how to further make use of this natural uh, beneficial environment up here in this specific place? Yeah, like th now it's like just a shadow of what it was in, in the Moorish times. In the Moorish times, this was one of the centers where they, they cultivated uh, silkworms. So all these mountainsides were all filled with trees, mul mulberry trees and, and very sophisticated water channels. And so now... It's it's like a really poor man's uh, agriculture. They do just growing beans in a, in a very uh, simple way. But with, with the, the, what we know today of planting food forests, about organic farming and tree technology that they're using also like in Africa and so on to reforest wide areas, if we we would be able to implement these techniques. On, on the farm, we would create a, a paradise as well for the bees as for, for as for men. So this sounds really promising in a way. Just the last question, what type of uh, timeline do you see for your grand plan of a first European natural bee reserve? The bee reserve is, 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 is as we start already like four years ago, I suppose. So now we have at least a, between 40 to 60 hives already distributed. So many people are working on, on 
grow, uh, cultivating bees in a natural way, like barefoot beekeepers. So now we want to take the step towards actually making the, these these stone hives permanent structures. So to a more sol solidify the, the wild and, and natural aspect of it. And regarding the, the planting of, of trees, so yeah, that, that would we can, could start tomorrow with it if, if we got the, 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 the necessary okay. support. That sounds great. Uh, Cosco, I mean, we have also Andre on board, on Andre Wermelinger with his Free the Bees, who is working on exactly that same issue since several decades in Switzerland. We have uh, your compatriot Hendrik Herz in Belgium, Basserfelde, who is working on new tree forests and also natural beekeeping. We are bringing all of you together with this little campaign. We hope something bigger will grow out of it. Do you have a message to the crowd to finish this great talk? Yeah, my, my message is, yeah, it would be amazing if you could support us, but they can also really contribute by starting to help the bees locally where, where everybody lives, like, like by planting more flowers, more trees, and by supporting your local beekeepers. And perhaps you come around and build a stone hive. Yeah, that would, that, would be, that would be an idea. Special Costco yes, yes. sculpture. Right? Yes, that would, that would okay. be an idea. Okay, Costco, great talking to you. Luckily, there was not so much wind right now as a minute ago, so you all have hopefully been able to listen well and hear us. Thanks for listening to everybody. This was the Giraffe Heroes podcast, and we hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Stick Your Neck Out, the weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation. 